Hey, hey, welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks Podcast. I am, of course, the world's oldest kid sidekick. My name is Lance, and I am not even supposed to be here today. With things returning uh, back to normal, Keith decided to uh, ditch us and uh, attend a comic convention, if you could believe that. However, don't worry, faithful listeners. We've already taken that into account and pre-recorded a bunch of stuff, so we've got our top three favorite independent movies, number 23 on the cult movie list, Clerks, and an all-new review of the latest Star Wars offering, Star Wars Visions. I'm, of course, joined by the evil genius, Keith of Keith's Comics, and the clown prince of collecting, Brian Needs One, so let's get right to the action. All right, so for this week... In the world-famous Three Old Geeks Top 3 list, gentlemen, with 15 minutes on the timer, what are your top three favorite independent films? And by independent, they were independently made, but not necessarily independently distributed. Distributed? Distributed. Distributed. Wait, wait, wait. You said indie films on the text, so I was going to say Raiders Lost Ark, Temple Doom. Oh. Maybe I get the wrong thing. <laughs> okay, I can, oh, I, can fake it. I can fake it. I can fake it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Dad jokes aside, 15 minutes on the clock. Go. Okay, so I tried to pick films that to me actually contributed to a bigger thing. That because Mine of, are exactly the same, so I'm thinking we're going to have a couple of We might. so fucking deep. I'm, I'm shallow. So. You are. So my number three on this list would be the Sam Raimi vehicle, Evil Dead. Okay. Okay. Which I thought, I think he made for, was it $11,000? Dentists. And, yeah. Where there was 15 dentists that put, put up, up the, the money, money for it, and they, they, they legitimately shot it in a shitty cabin in the woods, and it was super cold, and... Oh, yeah, it was just uh, things they did they can't get away with in Hollywood now. Yeah. But I thought that, as far as the horror genre goes... It's a game changer. Yeah. It absolutely was. It added a level of humor to to horror films that I don't think we had seen prior to that. Plus, there's that whole, we've talked about before, that whole, and fortunately, I think we're going to get to watch it for the cult movie bits or whatever. Oh, okay. It's coming up, but there's that Sam Raimi-like style that it just, there's something Using about a that. a real chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. Style. No, there's a, he, um... Like Tim Burton, uh, Sam Raimi, there's a few others and I can't think of their names, but they create worlds that shouldn't exist that you can't, but you buy into. Yes. And and so, yeah, he does that. Here Especially you when you go into Evil Dead 2 and then Ash. Come on. Come on. Perfect leads into mine. Seriously. Excellent. Uh, mine is Plan 9 from Outer Space. You know that that does, and I think that was a game, game changer. It, I, I, was there but, a movie prior to that that was a movie so bad it's good? You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. Like a, a movie that's there, there's not much I can think of that that was that that saw its fame so far removed to where they, someone made a movie about the director. Yes, I, I think that uh, yes, the movie that would highlighted it. But I think watching it as we did, it's one of those movies that that. This guy made it through sheer force of will. Yes. And, yes. And uh, I don't think you get more independence than that. No. And to see the actual soundstage that he shot it on, 
and how small it actually yeah. is yeah. uh is fucking amazing yeah. and um the people he got the people he got to buy into his vision yeah. and then the dialogue yeah. and i'm sorry but i love the dialogue of that film yeah it is so specifically yeah, Ed Wood. go back and we did an entire episode deep dive into into the into Planet Nine from Outer Space and it's one of my favorite episodes. Yes. So do yourself a sure. favor. If you haven't checked that one out yet, I think it's in the forties somewhere. Yeah. We had a lot of fun doing that. It's yes. something we talked about before, but I, I I thought it would be wrong not to have it on yeah. the list. That's perfect. Lance. Well I again I um the theme of this is um much the same as yours is things that changed the industry or you know there's a couple of them that were like these that were directors first movies that got them their name and to me one of the greats of all time uh in my lifetime at least is scorsese and his first movie was mean streets ah which yeah. is a you know you get uh de niro and harvey keitel it's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of mobster adjacent so you're kind of getting the roots of goodfellas and the roots of casino and stuff like that but it's about you know neighborhood guys in new york and going through that you know that being like a 20 year old guy in the 70s and you know didero isn't some tough guy gangster he owes everybody money you know and yeah. it's just it's a very interesting story i think scorsese he put a lot of his like like in your first movie, you put a lot of yourself into it and stuff like yes. that. I think these were like guys he knew from the neighborhood that he made a movie about. Uh, it was a recent discovery for me. My, my brother was always on me to watch this, and I finally watched it like last winter or something like that. Oh. It's I, I was absolutely captivated by it. And again, to me, that's like a game changer because that put a, one of the great direct, like the great modern directors on the map. And it causes he he actually has used it since a very character driven. Uh, Stories. Yes, I mean, it, it, it focuses on a couple characters, and it, it the the film is driven by them. So I think that yeah, and no, and that kind of and that's all. You're, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Like most of his films are character pieces, and it's only a couple of, of people, and it's and it's definitely driven by characters yeah. as opposed to like the story. Or yes, whatever. but yeah, that's an excellent point, Keith. Wow. Oh, suddenly Keith gets deep, but he wants to give us shit. I am gonna pull a uh, lance on this, on number two. Because I think both of these films, to me, start off as one thing and then become another. And uh, both of them were phenomenal. And that is the Australian Pitch Black and the American From Dust Till Dawn. Both of these movies started out as one, you're going one way with it. Two genre films put yeah. together. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it just takes a left turn out of nowhere. Pitch Black... I don't think I'd ever seen a sci-fi movie quite like that. And the amount that they did with that film, and then the characters, the, the people who were in it, uh, that made Vin Diesel. Yeah. Uh, I, there's no... And he and it made an awesome character. So I love that character of Riddick. And then from Dust Till Dawn, you think it's going to be... Uh, a bank robbery... A bank robbery hostage yeah. situation. Yeah, typical Tarantino yeah. crime yeah. movie or something. And then it gets nuts. And yeah. then you have Harvey Keitel in the role he's in, which is so out of character for yeah. him. Uh, out of type for what he normally plays. I just thought both of those movies took you in... Took you for wild rides before yes. the uh, before the end. You just didn't see it coming. Absolutely. Uh, too, uh, well, Pitch Black, not so much, but From Dust Dawn, one of my all-time favorites. Absolutely. Uh, Okay. My second one is a film that actually 
I like the way it was shot. I like the way it was handled. It's memento. Ah, the, the, the out of time, out of placement. Yeah, we have brought that up on ending. numerous occasions. It, it, it's such a good film, and that's probably why. And again, I think it's Christopher Nolan's yes. first. Yeah, and it set him upon that. Guy journey. Pierce. Yes, Guy that's Pierce. And it was job. great. It just the way it was handled, and and uh, the premise of it was just genius. Yeah. Just fucking genius. So yeah, that that uh... and it goes to show you like that's where Nolan started off, and then you get you get Inception, you get yeah, Tenet, yeah. you know he the, the, those real like kind of super cerebral, uh, cerebral, yeah, yeah. So I liked his Batman's. <laughs> I'm Batman. Actually, go go you go. What is your number two? Um. I'm, I'm dying here. I'm hoping nobody picked this one, but again, in talking about sea changes to the industry, I mean, you gotta go with Night of the Living Dead. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. shot for sixteen thousand dollars, and, and the, me being not the, the horror fan, I you know not the horror fan out of the three of us. That movie is. Swings way above its its uh what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's punching above its weight. Yeah, yes. I mean, shot for fourteen thousand dollars by a guy who you know basically just felt like making a movie and just and created like a genre, genre of films. Yeah, and and TV and everything else. It it that's still going on. It is like the Walking you know what, Dead. They just the never end. Daddy of them all. Yeah, yeah, it set all the rules. Yeah, and then it gave you the twist ending. Yes, and yeah, and again, kind of a a, a political statement in, in, at the time it was made and stuff yeah. like that. And the one thing that I'm noticing is a lot of these were like first films from a lot of yes. these guys. I oh, really yeah. admire because that's Romero's for obviously his first yeah. film and stuff like that. But yeah, huh. I, I I noticed that the stuff I was picking was a lot of first films. Oh, it's early. And, yeah, because because after these... after they get past that, after they start making money, the the studios come yes. to them and pay for them, so it cuts the independent part out of it. Yeah. So that's probably why. They get hired on. What is your number What's one? What's your number one, Brian? I'm a Dr. Richest. <laughs> I am. I'm gonna... No. My number one is, again, going to Australia for uh, for this one, and it's going to be uh, Mad Max. George Miller set up uh, really kind of the... You know what? There had been ones before, but... But this really nailed the post-apocalyptic. I couldn't yeah. put it any better. It, it just... Uh, and then um, Mel Gibson, for whatever you think of him later, does an unbelievable job in that film. And then and then again, it just takes you on this ride that you don't expect. And and nothing... It doesn't end any better than it no, began. No. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool part. It isn't like there's a happy ending. Yeah. It? He creates a character and that... No matter, again, we just had the last film how many years ago? Not not that long yeah, ago. Yeah. But the films are really not about him. No. He's just floating through whatever the situation yeah, or especially is. Especially in uh, the third one. Oh, yeah. He just kind of shows up. I mean. Fourth one. Fourth one. Oh, oh I'm sorry, the fourth one. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I leave Thunderdome out of that. Well, it, oh, it, you can't. Yeah, I just did that to piss you off. Master Blaster. Oh. Oh, Tina Turner. The first third of, the first third of that one's all right. <laughs> wow, he's pulling out. We don't need another hero. <laughs> we 
we don't need to go away home. Okay, now don't sing any more old money song. Okay, please. Yeah. <laughs> and they're never gonna be able to figure out what song I'm singing. Well, because you know we use the song, it's because we slaughtered it. The yeah, they're not gonna be able to figure. Is that? I don't think so. I don't think it is. Let's just keep going. No, if you, if you it's keep gonna playing, slander. it's gonna break something. It's like in slander the, yeah. or something. <laughs> Poor Tina Turner. <laughs> um, my number one again goes back to first films and. Just the dialogue-driven movie. It's Reservoir Dogs. You know what I? I Again, change that changed film. Like yeah. Hollywood, it changed Hollywood. How, how you how you could drive it without it? It's really when you look at it, there isn't a ton of action in that no, movie. No, no, everything's off-screen, the robbery and everything, and it's just well done, and it tells you a story without. Born your death. With exactly. You. There's the story is told through the dialogue. It's not th- told through exposition yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. it's almost it's. Uh, oh god. Uh, it, it it harkens to me back to the old horror films where everything's off screen, but you know what happens. Yeah. Well, no. And again, I I, I will go on my my heist rant one more one last time here. The drama of a heist movie is not the heist; it's the aftermath of the heist, and the entire movie is trying, the aftermath to of the heist. Away, yeah, and, and just you don't even know what they were going betrayals to and and yeah. Tarantino's dialogue, and I'm going to say in every fucking film he does, is so brilliant. It's it, it, it's believable. Yeah, it, it, I, it, I nothing, just, nothing seems forced. You know, it's funny. He wrote the part of Mr. Pink for himself. And Steve Buscemi came in to audition for Mr. Pink. And Tarantino told him, that's my part. If you can do it better, <laughs> if you think you can do it better, you got to take it from me. It's not like I'm giving it to yeah. You got to take my part. He said, we walked out of that audition and he had it. <laughs> <laughs> I love Steve Buscemi. The, the cast in that, the dialogue in that, the set up for that Michael Madsen oh my yes, fucking well, the best. god we forgot him in our favorite movie killer list oh yeah Mr. White oh what is your number one Lance before we run well out of I was gonna to go sure. I was gonna go as the film guy I was gonna go Tarantino and stuff like that but I did have a backup and that is uh The Terminator yeah I mean Cameron cemented himself as a Number, like a, a visionary science fiction director yeah. with that movie. I think the premise of that movie to this day holds up. Oh, God, yes. Um, I think the movie itself holds up. I mean, if you, you know, 80s discotheques aside or whatever. But um, that is one of those, again, it's, it, it's, it's a classic in my lifetime. You know, it wasn't, it's not, you know, Frankenstein, it's not Dracula, whatever. That is a classic movie that was made in my lifetime that people are going to be talking about 100 years from now. Yes. 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 I, I agree with you. Um, and you also ran, sir, Brian? You got a minute. Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw this out, and, and I didn't want to say it because um, there are people at this table. Okay. But probably uh, one of the best films I've ever seen, uh, certainly low budget, and uh, it was a recommendation, and it's one that I recommend now quite vehemently, is Rafiki. Yes. It, it well, just... Uh, thank you. Yes. I'm glad, And I'm really glad that you guys liked it, because that is one of my favorites. Yes. And I will also say that just for the joy that we have had in discussing both the original and its two sequels, 
you got to throw Manos the hands of fate in there. <laughs> you just do. Uh, I, I include They Live in this list. Yeah. yeah wasn't that Big Budget? That was a studio it, film, though, I thought. Was it? Was it a studio film? I, I thought I, it was I looked a it up, film. but it was not a studio I ever heard of film. Huh. Uh, I would also go uh, Kentucky Fried Movie. Did They Live come out before or after Halloween? After. 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 Okay. All right, that's our favorite independent films. Let us know what yours are. All right, so this week we are joining the cult of number 23 on the ringers list of top cult films. We are joining the cult of clerks from 1994. And if you do not know this by now, you are not a geek. But it was written and directed by Kevin Smith, who is a bit of a pariah these days. Starring Brian O'Hallorhan, Jeff Anderson, Marilyn Gigliotti, Jason Mewes, and Lisa Spoonauer. And uh, this was, at the time it came out, the biggest thing going. Yeah, it was shot for Kevin Smith. Yeah, it made Kevin Smith. It uh, was shot for $10,000 at Kevin Smith's actual... Uh, Put it on his visa. Card. Yep. Put it on his visa. It shot at the convenience store that he worked at. Starring all of his friends. And uh, I have to admit, I going into this, I did not look forward to watching this movie. I don't know if it was just the whole backlash of, you know, Kevin Smith kind of becoming a dick and stuff like that. But I actually enjoyed it. I, 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 I did. I just wasn't looking forward to it because I wasn't looking forward to it. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot less than I remember enjoying it the last time I saw it, which probably... I would have been late twenties, early thirties the last time I think I saw it. Yeah, twenty years ago. When did it come out? Ninety-four. Oh, ninety-four. Yeah. Yeah, because I would have been twenty-eight when it came out. No. Ninety-four is twenty-seven years ago. Then it had to be twenty years ago that I seen it. Maybe less. I might have seen it in there. Uh, anyway, um, the one thing I did notice, though, since we watched Stranger Than Paradise, and he even thanked Jim Jarmusch at the end, because he said he was influenced by it, this had Stranger Than Paradise's kind of, like you had commented on the, the, the kind of the, the staging of it with the different scenes with the title and stuff yes. like that. It, it had that. Yeah. Yes. It was shot in black and white, so obviously there was some influence there, too. But essentially the story of uh, Dante and Randall... The two clerks at a convenience store and a video store and the hijinks that ensue when Dante shows up and it's, uh, to cover for somebody and it's not his, I'm not even supposed to be here, ever, but the famous yeah. line and stuff like that. There was a couple of parts that really I, I, I thought were very, very cleverly done that actually made me laugh out loud. More than a couple. I thought there were some great lines in it. I thought as a as a cohesive story, it kind of went pretty well. Uh, I thought the stuff with the women, the drama with the women, was a little much. But then again, I, I I'm not twenty years old, just out of high school and pining after my high school girlfriend. So my sense of that kind of is is that was kind wise. of the most realistic part of the whole thing. You, really, you yeah, think yeah. so? Yeah. I thought the characters were handled really well because they were always... They didn't do anything out of character for the most part. No. They, they were very strict on, on what the characters are. 
And there's no, wow, why would he do that? I didn't catch any of that. So I thought it was very well crafted as far as that. Well, I thought the movie itself was for, I mean, for, <coughs> you know, basically putting it on, you know, renting a, a camera on your credit card and, you know, having your friends from the drama <coughs> club, uh, you know, star in it and stuff like that. I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, decent that way. Yeah, they got everyone to work on this. It's like some of the guys were just guys who came into that shop normally. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I was listening to some of the, the director's comments. Okay. You know, them, them talking back when they were filming Mall Rats. And, and of course, Jason Muse was high as a kite then. He fell asleep. But don't listen to it. It's really boring. It, it, it's way too much information than you ever need to know about it. But just hearing some of it was kind of cool. It's like, like the old guy with the tape. He was just a customer who came in, who who they wrangled into doing that. So it's kind of cool that they actually drew from people around there to, to help make this world. But yeah, I just. Uh, but again, that being said, I. I okay, well, working it. Let's put it this way: you probably have the most retail years. Yeah. Out of out of the three of us, is there anything relatable that in that way? I don't give anyone adult books going to the bathroom with. I'll tell you that right now. Anyone with any brain doesn't do that. I know, you keep trying to get them. <laughs> <laughs> I just bring my own now. <laughs> I know, you got a phone. That's why I, that's why I confiscate the phone. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I usually... Brian! <laughs> <laughs> that, ex, that explains why you're... You take such long bathroom breaks in between yeah. when we... Oh, okay. That, yeah. I didn't even, that didn't even dawn on me. My God. You are naive. Uh, he is a boy sidekick or kid sidekick. There were some. There were some genuinely funny moments. There were some things that went on, like the the scene with the old guy going to the bathroom. That went on a little long. Yeah, that was the kind of the classic comedy triple. You know, oh hey, can I borrow your bathroom? Oh hey, can I get the good toilet paper? Oh hey, can I see one of those magazines? That was I. I kind of got the the flow of that and stuff like that. But you're right. That could have been handled in like three minutes instead of the ten it was yeah. or whatever. Um, the when Randall is ordering the porno movies in front of, from the distributor with the in front of the mom with the little kid that should not have made me laugh. I was fucking crying. Yes. 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 Uh, I think most of the Randall and Dante scenes together were handled really well. You know what the truth at the end of the movie was that they weren't very likable characters. No, no, Neither they are weren't. We, but people are listening. They just weren't likable. Like I didn't. No. You know, you want to tell Dante, yeah, you're pining after this girl who was a complete whore. I mean, the entire running joke with her was that she was fucking everybody. Yeah, well, and they he didn't were know dating. about it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't know yeah. about it. And then she wants to get back together. But then he's got this girl who's baking him lasagna yeah. and he's doing her Taking nails. Yeah. And and you're just going to go, no. You know what? I, I mean, I understand that you're 22. I could see Randall doing that, but yeah. not Dante. And famously, this is the whole establishment of Jay and Silent Bob. Yes. And Silent Bob doesn't say anything until it's pointed in the movie. Yes. Yeah. And he's the guy who says, you know, I've seen her around an awful lot, and not every girl will bring you lasagna for lunch. They'll mostly just cheat on you. Yeah. So, you know, him speaking truth to Dante or whatever. But Dante, 
and 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 to say that I kind of I I've stuck in my ways and I don't like change like like that kind of spoke to me like when he was talking about like how I don't like to upset the apple cart and all this other stuff and and Randall's on I'm like well dude you say you hate this place then just quit you know and you it's know it's not I, that easy yeah. But he was always, the grass is always greener on everything, too. I mean, that tends to girl, chasing after the girlfriend he had, because grass is always greener. Yeah, but then, you know, you talked about out of character, and then to me, the guy who'll shit himself rather than lift the toilet lid yeah. would not leave the girl he had for the girl that he once had. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna stay with what you have because that's what you have. Yeah. Okay. No, I see. I see what you're saying. But yeah, yeah. it isn't like he pursued her; she came after him, and that's that's where. But they had their thing, <clears throat> so he's not gonna leave her to go for the other girl. the The best he could do was cheat on her. He's not gonna leave her because that would not that would be against character for a character who can't change anything. Very, very true. I didn't look at it that way. So, and I don't think he would cheat on her. Because Dante came across as a nice guy. Was he a nice guy, though? No, he was. Okay. I think he was. I think he was a stand-up guy. You could see by the way that he smoothed things over with the customers and the way that he, he didn't argue when the guy gave him the ticket. He, he didn't, didn't rant Randall out. He didn't rant Randall out. He he just accepted that this is what was going on. Uh, the guy, the chewing gum guy in the beginning, which I, by the way, thought was funny as hell. <laughs> oh, I would kick that fucker out. Oh, yeah. Seconds. And he said that. You got to go. Yeah. But he still let him have his say. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. And then he paints his, his girlfriend's nails. He's a nice guy. Okay. I, I don't I don't see him cheating with the whore. I see him wanting to. I see him being tempted by. I guess we'll never know. But I would also say, never date the girl who fucked a dead guy. No, oh, he wasn't going after that. She's in, she's in the home. He be, no, he basically said he's going to go visit her in the hospital. I know, and she needs years of therapy. Yeah. Uh, but still. And that was the least believable part of the whole thing it was it was this movie was so grounded and then that you get that whole business with the dead guy and the girlfriend and i just i was sitting there going nah nah yeah the knocking over the coffin i went nah yeah there was a lot of nah <clears throat> some do, of the do you have any uh weird customers you can talk about not that weird well besides you guys we just haven't left. Well, yeah, because Brian Brian's the uh, the egg guy because he's probably the guy that would, like searches through the entire no, file no, for the doesn't. most perfect. Fairly looks at him. I can switch out the interiors and sometimes he doesn't notice. <laughs> he won't notice for weeks. Yeah, exactly. He's so far. I've actually him. I've actually just gotten the same comic book from him for twenty years now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, keeps, it's brand new, Brian. Yeah, yeah, he just keeps ripping out the interiors <laughs> and popping them in because yeah. he can't sell them. The ones he doesn't sell. I've got, I've he's got, got 47 a, He's got a ton of Rob Liefeld stuff. <laughs> and Valiant. With, with great covers on it. Yes. I thought Harley Quinn was in this one, you said. She's on the cover. 
four years after I get it. <laughs> She's on you the know, I, the, the one thing that I've noticed <clears throat> in just because I listen to us a couple of times when, when I'm editing and stuff like that, we are truly, and I hate to say it, we're old. Because yeah. every single one of these movies that we might have seen back when we were in our 20s or in our teens or in our 30s or whatever, it seems like there's an entirely different take. Yes. We've now. matured. Well, you know what? And that's part of the fun of doing it. It's because I remember liking this movie a whole lot more when I was younger than I do now. I still enjoy it. I look at it differently. Okay. Now I see more of the flaws in the movie. Yeah. Characters that I once thought were this are now that. Yeah. You know, you look at them. No, I'm, you know what? That You guys brought it up with Slapshot was that, that Reg, you know, like, I thought Reg Dunlop was the funniest guy in, in, in the world. And, every, and you guys brought up, well, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. And I was like, you know what he is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a different take on him now. And, and some of the things we enjoyed, I, I don't think, like I said, I, I'm usually not, I like Kevin Smith. I do have a problem with some of the things he's doing now. But that doesn't mean uh, I didn't enjoy his work. Uh, but it, you, I, it would be hard for me to watch Mallrats. It would be hard for me to watch Chasing Amy. All films I enjoyed. You but also, a little too juvenile, a little you too... You also have 20 years of film watching in between those, yeah. too. And you've seen a lot of things that have have struck a better chord than this did, does. But I can find the good in Apocalypse or Lamageddon. I like Lama Apocalypse. We should make a sequel. And then we'd We're making them. enough sequels already. Let's... Yeah, but then we'd have, to get, I, yeah, we'd have to get Louis the Llama. And the, I, heard, oh. I heard his contract is just His riders are yeah. incredible. I just heard it's yeah. he's a, And he's a, he's a bitch to work with. Yeah. you got to get him female llamas all the time. <laughs> no brown M&Ms. And again, they're really hard to direct. Okay? Yeah. I didn't dislike the film for what it was. Uh, it was kind of boring. and a lot, I mean, it dragged a bit. More like, than I remember it. It was like a Brian Michael Bendis book. There was a lot of talking that led to yeah. nothing. Well, yes. And, uh, and, the, the, and again, we were when we were driving over here, I had mentioned, like, when I had, uh, you know, there were, the, like, the rave reviews when this first came out. And one of the ones I remember reading was, Kevin Smith writes how people talk. And I was, like, listening to half this movie going nobody i know talks like this yeah yeah with the I, exception of like the star wars debate that we've had here in keys comics or whatever you know i mean you know there was a lot there was a lot of like flowery a little bit the, the dialogue was a little more flowery than i think a bunch of 20 year olds from jersey would have or whatever yeah. you know but you know looking at it and thinking back to when you're 22 and uh looking forward in life uh, I think that it spoke to the angst of a 22-year-old, and I don't know that that's changed. That's pretty timeless as far as that angst we feel. Some of our friends go to college. Some of our uh, friends don't. Except they didn't really have that there, mostly. It seemed like everyone was going to be stuck in the same thing forever. You know what? By the end of the film, I was like, this is why I moved from my hometown. Because I didn't want to be somewhere where people, everybody I knew for 20 years yeah, would never, walk in and leave. see me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I did like the original ending better. Yes. yes. No, okay. And so the original ending, there's a robbery and Dante gets shot. Yeah. Yes. I like. I was sitting there going, wait a second. What's, like I watched the, the one on HBO and I was like, well, wait a second. 
didn't Dante get shot and there was a robbery or something like that? And I was like, oh no, that's right, they changed the ending or whatever. I completely blocked it didn't out. play. Uh, it didn't play well to test audiences. Oh, okay. They didn't like. Um, so that then became the original ending became the alternate ending, and they ended the film the way we saw it. Okay. They didn't want him to die, which I thought was the ultimate in having a bad day. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. on the I day you're. Just, not I was supposed, supposed to be, to be here. Yeah. Yeah. But it would have made Clerks 2 a little bit different. Though I would not have been friends with Randall, though I saw a lot of me in him. <laughs> I know, it's hard. We try. Something about renting her hermaphrodite movies. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Those are great. Anyway. Uh, you can stream them, though. You don't need to rent them. Yeah, you don't need to rent them. Uh, thank God for the internet. No, uh... <clears throat> I probably saw a lot of me in Randall, but I'm more like Dante. I'm not that OCD, though. I'm not that afraid of change. And not at that age. Oh, no, it took me 50 years to get to that point. I mean, I wasn't like that when I was 22 or whatever. Yeah. All right, this is getting too deep here. What was so, what's on the rewatch? What was the star rating on, uh, on Clerks? I give it a three. I, I also give it a three. Yeah, you know what? I I remember I, I I liked it better than I remembered it, but eh, no, like two and a half, three. Yeah. All right, uh, sorry, Kevin. We're we're Please getting old here. Uh, this week we uh, joined the cult of clerks. Let us know what you think. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! So they debuted a new Star Wars offering on the Disney app, and that is Star Wars Visions, which is apparently a uh, an anime take on the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and they dropped all the episodes, but you know we like them doing them one at a time here, so we're going to do one at a time. Uh, than... None of us have time to watch to binge a whole show. I can't binge to, stuff, no, anyways. I can't. I, I, I can, weird. but I, I, I don't like that. I prefer the episodic things. It's Things, things in future episodes have already been ruined for me. Just like you get, you get, you get a chance to digest things if you but watch it once. To me, I agree. I agree. To me, this was Star Wars. What if? Uh, so yes, we're talking about the very first episode, simply titled "The Duel." Yeah, and uh, you have uh, a, uh, and this is uh, a tale of uh, of two cities with me, guys. Because again, this rubbed up against my my OCD when it comes to mashups. Okay. I really had to reason this one out because, again, just like uh, just like the zombie episode of what if or whatever, if you're gonna do a, a in a um, a samurai episode of Star Wars, this is the way to do it because this was literally like to me it was like animating Kojima's art from Lone Wolf and Cub. It yes. was like woodcuts. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Yes, the story was wonderful. Yes. And 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 but then I kept going. But it's like Star Wars and and Lone Wolf and Cub. And, and doesn't they shouldn't go together? And so I have a question, Mister Brain, about to explode. Yep. Uh, you had no problem with them mixing like westerns with with Star Wars, Cad Bane, stuff like that. You, you didn't have that problem with that. But this no, is- oh no, I don't because star wars in its and and again this is and i'm glad you brought this because this is how i i i rectified this in my own twisted brain is that star wars encompasses 
all the great stuff from fiction all over the world. So the set, you know, it, it incorporates samurai stuff yes. and cowboy stuff and science fiction. And I mean, like yeah. I, to the point, like I said, R two D two is Lassie essentially. It, it and that's how I justify this is okay. This is a planet in the Star Wars universe that's patterned after you know eighteenth century Japan or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But I mean. What can, I mean, like, and and, they, and I read somewhere where they literally went to all these animation houses in Japan and said, "You get the Star Wars property, go nuts, do whatever you want." Yeah, and I thought this is—you could not have done this any better. It was—it was magnificent. Yeah. Oh yeah, and in the end, the end was great with with all the different uh, was it the kyber, kyber crystals? crystals? Yeah. yeah. He's gathered. It's like well, no, I've, I actually doing the research for this. They're actually publishing a book. Based off of this first one. Oh, are they? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really tempted to pick it up. Oh, I will. Uh, no, I wanted more of this story. I wanted yeah. more of this. Story. Yeah, essentially. So yeah. Uh, the backstory that I read is the Ronin is actually that's why he had the red lightsabers. He's actually an ex Inquisitor. Oh, okay. And he's trying to redeem himself. And then the uh, the Sith that he fought was a one of his comrades or whatever. So uh-huh. he was a, an Inquisitor as well. But um, stunning animation stunning design work um the umbrella swinging lightsaber buzzsaw staff was like right out of a shaw brothers like it reminded me of like a flying guillotine or something like that yes. it was amazing yes the i mean the droid himself with the with the straw the big giant yeah. uh, yes. japanese yeah. straw hat was essentially i mean when he flies in and launches all the missiles i mean that's literally one of the gags from lone wolf and cub where they have a the cart. Uh, a, a the the baby cart from the baby cart of death or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. the action was fantastic. Uh, the the duel on the floating log could have came out of out of actual samurai lore or something like that. Yeah. I just it, it, it was it was just breath. I mean, like you had to talk me into watching this. I'm like, dude, we really got to watch another one. And and this one, I have a feeling this is the best out of all of them. But this was breathtaking. I'm hoping it's not the best out of all of them. Uh, I think we're going to see some some amazing stuff out of this. I think it's going to be one of the best out of all. It shocked me that I had to talk you into it. Star Wars guy, yeah. I thought me? you would be talking me into yeah, it. Yeah, I so. thought you would be more on board with this than even I was. But I actually didn't even like I, I when you said well let's watch this I didn't even know this was coming out and I had to look I mean like I thought this was going to be one of those behind the scenes like here's the art ah. direction type of thing and I'm going and then I looked it up I'm like ah, okay. Uh, quick hits. Really short, which is nice. Yeah, this was like twenty minutes. Him it? pulling the red saber out. Yeah. Uh, I am not a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah, I agree. The fight was awesome. The uh, the end sequence with the light the lightsaber behind the waterfall in the hands of the Buddha. Oh, <laughs> dude, that that's as good as it gets. That's as good as it gets. Um. I love the uh, you'll have you have till the pot boils to fix, to fix my it. droid. Yes, no. Th- th- this was very tra- like this was so traditional samurai uh, stuff to me. It was just it yeah. did it totally reminded me of Long Wolf. It was it was the art style, the storytelling. It was it was could have been done by them. Yeah, I always thought that Star Wars lent itself more to the samurai. Than to the old west. Yes, uh, I like that they had Cad Bane, and I like that they had because there's an element of that. But um, I, yeah, I always thought that the Jedi were more Sam. Samurai. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually think the the Jedi episode of uh, 
of the Mandalorian was the most samurai thing that they had they yeah. had done to date or whatever. I thought that was really awesome. Yes, but this I mean, uh, done to date until this because yeah. this was just unbelievable. This was uh, yeah this. This left me wanting more. Yeah. I had more questions. I had so when you say there's a book, I can I can so completely see that. The character was compelling. The uh the fact that he had all the kyber crystals and then he gave the one away. Well, and that's there is something about the the man with no name who wanders yes. in the town. That's just in in the collective consciousness where you go, "Okay, yeah, I want more of that." Yeah. Yeah. And if it's done well, there's nothing better. Because yeah, you want to see the journey. Uh, Mad Max, um, Outlaw Josie Wales, yeah. uh, goes back and back and back. The, the taciturn, uh, anti-hero type. Oh, thing, good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Wasn't Star Wars influenced by Kurosawa at the beginning? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it goes back to that. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, you could I, actually I, say I think this. Lu- almost... I think Lucas even said something to that effect. Well, that all the filmmakers back from the 70s, like yeah. Kurosawa was the... Yeah. God, the, the, yeah, like the guy that they all, you know, one of the guys that they admired. But yeah, I mean, uh, again, I, I, I got dragged into this kicking and screaming, and I'm, I'm fully on board on this. I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, being a fan of, uh, you know, a modern fan of anime and stuff like that. I have a feeling there's going to be the, the bits that I'm not, you know, like I never get like the little symbols that they put on somebody's head or yeah. why their face turns into a cat or whatever. There's, there's something <laughs> cultural about that that I don't get, but. If there's more of them like this, then then I'm all I'm all for it. You know what they did this with the Matrix. They did this with uh, Batman, where they kind of let anime studios do their thing. The results from that were great. Uh, I expect the results from this to be just as good. Keith, you on board? I, I'm ex- yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I, this is we're talking like did, you're not an anime did, guy and you're not really a Star Wars I, guy. I'm, I'm, how am I not? I'm not an anime guy. I'm an old old school anime guy. I'm not a new school anime guy. I'm stuff from the you're an anime old 60s 70s. So well, so am I. Yeah, and that's all the further oh, I went. I'd love to see a speed racer. I want to say Cure. Cure was the last anime I watched back ah. in '88 or whatever it was. So that's when I stopped. Was <laughs> okay. So yes, I am an anime guy. I'm just not a new anime guy. I don't need more tentacles and shit like that. So tentacles are cool. Sure. Oh God, we're gonna stop it right here. <laughs> all right, stick with us on this one. Tune in next week, same geek time, same geek podcast for all new, all different material. Thanks a lot for listening, and hey, keep on geeking on.